What's happening, everybody? Welcome to V3Cast, episode 12. This is the official Voyager 3 podcast, and we're here tonight hanging out. It's been a little bit since we've been together. Uh, kind of a lot of things have happened, especially with uh, New York Ninja. They uh, premiered it on TCM, and then it streamed um, for about a week or two after that at, um, at some select times. Um, so really cool, man. A lot of new people got to see uh, New York Ninja that uh, maybe never even heard about it or only just heard little rumblings about it. So very cool. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Good, I'm man. Rocking, I'm rocking and rolling and whatnot. <laughs> I knew you were rocking and rolling. I knew yeah. it. Yes, indeed. Yes. That, that is always uh, always a good thing to be doing, and Aaron excels at that, as a matter of fact. I live by it. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you know, the best thing about New York Ninja was we got to finally fulfill our late night cable aspirations. Yes. We did it, guys. Yes. Congratulations, everybody. <laughs> we used to stay up late watching cable when we were growing up. And That's right. We were like, one day we're yeah. going to make it to late night, late night cable. Yes. <laughs> so some obscure 80s film yes uh, it was playing that night and lo and behold we had we had done the music for it <laughs> we did it guys we did it yeah we're done cheers. yeah let's just Nothing wrap it up <laughs> get out wrap it up that's it quit there's while no, we're ahead there's nothing left to do but read comic books and find cool beverages right hey i got some comic books i got some oh. good hey speaking of that i'll yeah. be damned what are y'all drinking i decided to Brave, brave the foil top. Oh, oh you're gonna get go. foil all over your lips and gums. So I'll be <laughs> for the next hour. I'll be trying not to get a uh, foil, gold foil, in my mouth. <laughs> hey, cheers, <laughs> Aaron. You're getting uh, you're getting close to to white monster territory with the Modelo already. <laughs> I know it's too That's repetitive. Right. I know. But um, I'll, I, do, I, I'll do better next week. I promise. I look at it this way, though, guys. Guys, yeah. if you yeah. love a drink, you're going to have that one, you know, a little more often, you know? So, uh, you know, sure. it's okay. It's Greg okay. just wants a little more. He wants a little more effort from me. That's all. Yeah. yeah and Steve, he wants you, you know, to push the envelope a little bit. Right. <laughs> you know, we're content creators now, Steve. So. <laughs> That's true. Drinking that's the true. same drinking the same drink every week. That's just lazy. It is. Yes, because you know, it shows on this on the spreadsheet there on uh viewer yeah, retention you know, that when I talk about the white monster, the views just drop immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've looked at I've looked at the data, Steve. That's right. The yeah. data says they want new and bold drinks that they've never heard of before. <laughs> Next week I'm gonna I'm gonna blow the roof off this place. Oh man. man you if you come in with a white monster, I'm not going to be happy with you. No, man. see, that would blow the roof off the thing because Aaron doesn't drink those. <laughs> You'd be like, I got you. And then I'd hold yeah. up like a, a, a Schlitz or something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would really impress people. That's right. That's right. Greg, man, what do you have over there? Greg always, for those who yeah. don't know, Greg always has the beers that have the coolest can artwork this side of the Mississippi. Go ahead. Well, I don't. I don't plan on disappointing this week. I got. No, I got to pick up. Pick up the slack that I just left. It's called rights of rights of ram. Oh, there you go. That's perfect, right that's there. Better. Yeah. You always that's have awesome. to tilt it. Man, that's like is, a D and D if I've ever seen it. Rights of ram. It's like a. It's like a goat-headed 
uh, samurai. If, oh, hold on. wow. Let me try again. Man, that's oh, awesome. Get it closer. I'm trying. I like it. Put it through Stop. the... Put it through the, the screen to me. <laughs> Aaron Can wants a sip. <laughs> Can you see it now? Give it. Just push yeah. it through. Oh, and that right. is a three right, floors, isn't it? There okay. it is. I got it. All right. Kurt, yeah, perfect. Aaron got it. I got it. Yes, it's a three Floyds. It's uh, it's a low ABV, so that that's good. You know, does that you mean drink low, a bunch of them. low carbs? No, that Al means alcohol by volume. So oh, okay. it's only five percent. So you know, a lot of the stuff that I showcase on this podcast tends to be higher, double IPAs, things like that. But this is just a five percenter. Uh, it comes out April through May, so I've been hanging on to this one. Because, you know, I like to show off the labels. Man, nice. that's a beer you should bring over the next time we play um, a campaign of Dungeons and Dragons. That beer just feels like it's meant to be, uh, you know, enjoyed while rolling dice. You know what yeah. else goes great with Dungeons and Dragons? What's that? Modelo. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you brought that too, didn't you? Did you bring some Modelo? I can't remember. I don't know. I might have. What about you, Steve? I made myself an iced latte with a splash nice. of vanilla and an extra shot of espresso. And the espresso tonight is Cafe Bustella. So, oh everybody. My. Get it. Oh, my. <laughs> Hand it oh to Aaron through the my. screen. Give me that. Yeah, just like I did, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, part of the main focus of tonight's podcast is going to be paying tributes to uh, one of the world's best musicians and composers of modern times. Vangelis uh, passed away this past May 17th. And uh, we want to talk about the music he's done, some of his history, some unknown stuff that when I was researching some information, I had no idea. And it, and it left me with a list of things to check out. And then we're going to talk about some of our favorite albums uh, of his, either proper studio albums or film scores it doesn't matter or you can pick one of each you know anything like that um it's it's so sad that uh you know such a talented composer four or five decades a worth of work in various genres and different countries and all sorts of stuff like that um and he when we, and we just lost him so so we want to take some time to uh, uh peruse through his career and uh talk about him a little bit obviously a band like ours wouldn't exist without the stuff that he sort of originated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I remember the first time I ever heard any of his music, um, it was Chariots of Fire, and uh, it was so catchy. And I, I just remember like being a little a little kid running through the house, like uh, imitating that beach scene in the film. You know, I, I, I couldn't do slow motion in real life, but in my mind, I was moving in slow motion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I remember... Uh, Hearing it at the Olympics that a couple years later, I think, no, I think Chariots of Fire was like 81. So a few years later, that's uh, the same song was featured um, at the Olympics. What a great honor. That, and that song also uh, won him an Academy Award. So, you know, that was what really um, cemented him in, in, uh, in the culture uh, and, and continued to give him film work for many, many years. He was born... March 29th, 1943, and as we said earlier, he passed away on May 17th, 2022, 79 years old. His actual name is uh, Evangelos Odysseus Papathanasiu, just FYI. 
Um, but we call them Vangelis for short because it's a lot easier. <laughs> but uh, in 1974, he traveled to uh, England um, to audition, believe it or not, for the rock band Yes, uh, because the singer, John Anderson, had become a fan of some of uh, Vangelis' early uh, work, like Heaven and Hell um, and some others around that time in his very first uh, film score, which was called... Uh, Le Apocalypse de Animal. Um, but uh, because Van, Vangelis didn't like flying and he also wasn't into the touring lifestyle, he ended up uh, not doing that gig. But uh, for some people who do know, John and Vangelis' albums came out later. So they, they teamed up and did a handful of albums that are outstanding. It's got John Anderson's vocals, so, you know, the sound of yes, basically. And uh, a lot of uh, Vangelis's synth and piano work. Um, definitely recommend checking those albums out for sure. Now, here's another. Here's a cool piece of information that I did not know at all, and I know you guys now are gonna appreciate this and and, and go research it. But uh, his very first band was called Aphrodite's Child uh, from 1967 to 1972, and they released three albums: uh, End of the World, It's Five O'clock, and Six Six Six. Six Six Six. Yeah, oh, I already so you, have it in my library, man. Come oh, on. okay. Cool, cool. No, I didn't know about it. it was, it's totally news to me, so I have three albums to check out. It's kind of like psychedelic prog rock, you know, good stuff. So I get, uh, like, notifications for anything that is centers around 666, Steve. You don't know got, that about gotcha. me? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you have the, uh, the, the hashtags in your radar, right? I don't know. It's just part of a secret society, you know? Right, right. I, I have to be aware. Yeah, absolutely. So I think probably the surface uh, Vangelis fan would be more familiar with his film scores, which are quite a few. Um, one of my favorites um, that's kind of a little bit more abstract or not talked about as much is uh, that debut one that I mentioned, uh, L'Apocalypse de Animal. If you listen to, I believe it's track two, it's got this just absolutely beautiful electric piano and then this sad kind of sometimes muted, sometimes open uh, trumpet kind of doing like a blues over that. It's absolutely uh, moving. It's, it's really, really good stuff. And then he did, uh, let's see, Lafitte Sauvage, Opera Sauvage. Those are pretty known. Uh, and then after that, Chariots of Fire came up, which I believe was 81, as we talked about. And that put him on the map, uh, no doubt. Um, that song reached number one after like a five-week uh, climb on the Billboard charts, finally reached number one, I think just for a week, and uh, won him an Academy Award. And then uh, the very next score after that, Aaron, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is, uh, well, you know, I'm kind of skipping ahead, I guess, as far as like our favorite and all that stuff. But <clears throat> I'm, I guess I'm kind of surface Van Vangelis fan. Um, Blade Runner is my favorite movie. So by default, it's my favorite score of his. And uh, I haven't done a deep enough dive at all into his other stuff. So I'm actually going to issue myself a Cam Floyd challenge to um, oh, yeah. dig deeper into Van Vangelis, Vangelis. Uh, into his other recordings, especially that Aphrodite's Child, because yeah. I think um, I think I even found out about that at some point, but then never never ended up 
hearing any of it. So, so you've heard it yeah. here first. It's the Cam yeah. Floyd challenge for Aaron to take a deeper dive into Vangelis and yes. related uh, music projects or... Greg's going to beat your ass. <laughs> That's right. Those are the rules. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Blade, the Blade Runner soundtrack was one of the earliest soundtracks I got along with Star Wars and like, um, you know, Predator and Aliens. Um, and it's one of the best soundtracks, you know, ever recorded. Yeah. And um, it it's, it's able to hit so many different notes as far as like the the sort of uneasy tension in the air and then like this sort of melancholy um you know sentimental sort of yearning feel for for nostalgia that goes on in that movie this sort of hearkening back to the 40s even though it's you know 2019 and um you know there's so much going on in there and then in the end it end you know it ends with like the most pounding like cool pulsing uh rhythm of the uh of the end credits and um that's just unbeatable i mean i think anybody who knows who's heard us before very clearly hears the influence <laughs> from that straight ahead to uh when we started the band in 2012 13 so um yeah that that's my favorite um and and it's an amazing movie of course too yeah, there's so much character and textures and uh, different approaches that he did in Blade Runner. Just, you know, from the stuff that you mentioned, um, but also all the atmosphere on the other tracks that have like just a lot of very sparseness and that wonderful, I believe it was a lexicon uh, reverb unit that he used. Um, at the time, it was like the, the brand new one. He really leaned on that at times. And also some of the ethnic instruments a lot of greek instruments he used in there um <clears throat> even that vocal stuff i believe was kind of inspired from his culture so it's just this you know otherworldly just combinations put together really really hammered home this future world that maybe could be um man like it's just it, it wouldn't be the same without that music it really wouldn't it's a great movie but the the, the score and the movie work together like some rare examples of, of, of two being locked together, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's how, here's how you can prove that, right? Um, the three of us love traditional symphonic orchestrated soundtracks, right? Oh yeah. John Williams. We love, you know, like there's, there's a million Goldsmith, John Williams, all that stuff. James so Horn. Here, here, yeah, exactly. So here's here's what you have to do, and this will prove how good he is compared, like compared to to that style. Blade Runner came out in two different versions, right? There's the New American Orchestra because I don't know if you guys knew, but Blade or uh, Vangelis was kind of he was kind of punk rock. He did not um, allow them to release the Blade Runner soundtrack at first. I think. Yeah. There was some kind of a disagreement that he had with them. Yeah. Right. So the studio went and they, I I guess they recorded it with an orchestra. So they, they did this new American orchestra version, which early on when I started collecting vinyl, you know, I'm thumbing through like every like thrift store and wherever I could find vinyl, I was going through it. And I found, I found that version which has a really cool cover. So I bought it knowing, well, at least the cover's cool. I don't know. 
I haven't heard this new American orchestra version. So all you have to do is take that version and compare it to the actual Blade Runner and listen yeah. to them. Like I just listened to it the other day in, in preparation for this. And like, it's just, typically I would love orchestra music, but like it pales in comparison. Like it is just not the same. And it's still cool. The artwork's cool on the cover, but it's not. I mean, the original is is the is the king. Oh yeah, so, there's all his emotion and his blueprint and his DNA and all you know his sensibility all over it. I mean, you it, just can't reproduce that. I mean, there's notes on paper, but there's also uh, his humanity that you, that is that you cannot carbon copy at all. It's just not even close. Yeah, it, I mean, you can tell they're the same songs, but like. It's just not even close. Right. Uh, and he used so much choice gear uh, during that whole kind of era. Uh, and uh, he made the one, this one particular synthesizer world famous. It's the Yamaha CS80. Um, I, I'm sure some people who are into this know which one that is. But if you don't, uh, look it up and, and uh, check it out. There's, there's actually YouTube videos about people who hunt them down whether they work or not, because they know how to, like certain people know how to fix them. So they're hunting these down, driving across the country to pick up, you know, in whatever condition it is, because they're going to refurb it. They didn't make a lot of them. This is a more rare synth that wasn't mass produced like a Juno 106, for example. There was way fewer of these made. Um, but uh, when Vangelis uh, got, you know, got a hold of it and did like Chariots of Fire and Blade Runner, and other things um, around that time with that synth, he just cemented it in, in, in legendary status. So that's another thing um, I think, Greg. That uh, is to your point. Um, he had this choice gear, you know, his sensibility. Um, and even if you write those same notes down and have other people who are who are immensely talented play it, it's not the same thing. You just can't reproduce it. Well, I was gonna I was gonna mention the the handful after Blade Runner um, that are also fantastic. I think both of you probably own all these or some of these, but uh, he scored Antarctica, which is really great. Um, it's one another top one of mine. Fourteen ninety two, uh, Conquest of Paradise, Alexander, uh, and El Greco, which was I think a Greek production. So a lot of American people might not have ever heard of that. Then. He had his own albums, by the way, that were not film scores. And there's a long list of those, approximately 23 or so. I was just going to list um, a couple, a uh, few that resonate with me in particular. Uh, and then if you guys have any, that's cool too. I, I really dig China. And then um, The City is Fantastic. Uh, and then Mask. Uh, his final record was a really cool... Um, concept uh, album basically it's called Juno to Jupiter and uh, it was inspired by the uh, European and NASA uh, you know space organizations and uh, believe it or not uh, NASA conferred their uh, public service medal to Vangelis in 2003 and that is the highest award that you can get from the space agency um, if you're not involved with the government in particular. So that was very uh, cool that they did that because he had been working on music kind of inspired by like the Juno mission, but uh, he was kind of involved with that and he got, um, you know, kind of awarded for it. So that's pretty cool. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. 
but one of his records, I won't even mention which one it is in case <laughs> it'll be taking away from your guys's ones. But one of his records was featured heavily on the television show Cosmos, which was hosted by Carl Sagan. Not to be confused with the modern Cosmos hosted by Neil deGrasse Tyson, which is also fantastic. But this is the OG Cosmos. Um, so that was really cool. And that was early on. So that was more like momentum for him right away, right out of the gates as a solo artist to have him be successful so that he could keep going and keep making stuff. Um, so good, good for him. Um, okay, so give me some of your favorites, either soundtrack or proper album um, and, and any favorite uh, tracks or any vibes that you really dig or anything like that. Like anybody else, my favorites tend to be the ones that I have, right? So, uh, yeah, I won't talk about Blade Runner. That's been covered. I won't talk about Chariots of Fire. That's been covered. Um, but my favorite, my one of my personal favorites of his is Private Collection, John and Vangelis, which you mentioned, of course. If you don't have any of his stuff and, you know, you're not sure about music without vocals, because I know a lot of people are weird about that, um, but if you're if you're not sure about that, I think John and Vangelis' private collection is is perfect. And, that's, a good, uh, that, I have, that's a very good point because that'll get you vocals, right? So yeah, more, yeah. more identifiable or or maybe easier to listen to for some people. Yeah, and a really good vocalist, by the way. Right. Um. So there's that one which I own on vinyl, and then recently I was at a I think I was at like a antique store thumbing through their crates of records and you know antique stores are kind of hit or miss on whether you'll find anything worthwhile but i was able to pick up mask and opera sabbage um, nice. both on vinyl i think they were like less than five bucks each yeah nobody so knows about I, this stuff <laughs> yeah it, so you know i was super happy to find those so i think those two are really good but you know, in addition to that, I have like my digital library that I, you know, I use YouTube music just to like, you know, satisfy my addiction to music. And uh, one of them that really stands out that sort of comes up on shuffle a lot is this 1492 soundtrack that, of course, you mentioned earlier when you listed all 23 of his records. <laughs> um, so I think that one's really good, too. Um, yeah. And then really really what I did in YouTube music is I just like, I just added him. And, and now every time I'm like on shuffle, I get a new song maybe that I haven't heard before. Yeah. So, I mean, he has, like you mentioned, a ton of material, so you can really kind of go down the rabbit hole with him. Right. And, and none of it's bad in my opinion. So, and I'm pretty that's sure my, that's my um, take on Van Gallis. Yeah. No, uh, excellent picks. Mask to me is like a hidden gem because nobody talks about that one. I think most people probably don't even know about it. But when the album starts off with like this rolling gong and then this super fast like sequencing starts and then it, you're off to, to the races just from that right there, you know you're in for a good treat. So that's a really great record. I, I totally recommend going on eBay or Discogs or whatever <clears throat> and uh, picking that one up for sure. Or, or go to an antique store because most That's people true. probably don't even know what those records are. So you might be able to get them for less than five bucks. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, Aaron, did you ever see 1492 Conquest of Paradise? Because that, I believe, was also a Ridley Scott film because he brought Vangelis back to score that film for him. Did you ever see that one? 
Unfortunately, I haven't. Um, okay. I remember when it was out, but but I never saw that one. But I did see Alexander, like both versions of it. I, okay. I own that. Yeah. Nice. Who directed That's Alexander? That was uh, Oliver Stone. Oh, yeah. That's right. Okay. Gotcha. And that had great music for sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, one other thing. Did you know that um, they asked Van Gellis to do 2010, the sequel to 2001, and he turned it down? Really? Yeah, I just read that um, a, a few days ago. That was new information to me. But then I, I kind of started to uh, learn um, more to your point earlier, Greg, that Vangelis was kind of punk rock um, a, a, about that. Like he didn't like the success and playing the record industry game. Um, right. But he said in, in, in a, one of his last interviews, actually, <clears throat> he said that he played it about 10 or 20% when he needed to, because, you know, you have to give the record company sales. Obviously that's how it works. You know, that the, they put up all this money, especially back then they put up all this money to promote you, record you and manufacture the, uh, the um, music on whatever format of the day, you know, was, so they got to make their money back, of course. But to his point though, which I totally agree with, and somehow there's a balance in there that some artists can achieve, but his criticism of that is that the minute you're successful, uh, you must be repeatable, uh, you know, in the record company's eyes. So you kind of, your creativity could and sometimes does get get squashed on that level when you're on a major label like he was. Um, so he 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 thought that some of his early successes like Chariots of Fire and Heaven and Hell and things of that nature were a blessing and a curse at the same time because the the label kind of kept wanting him to keep doing that. And he didn't want to keep doing that. He wanted to just keep writing from his heart and his soul, whatever it was. So yeah, um, Godspeed, Vangelis, and thank you for all the wonderful, inspiring music over the years, uh, you know, five decades worth of music. And we're going to check out Aphrodite's Child, too. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Mailbag. The Is Colin. it short? It's short. Short oh, and sweet. okay. Colin sent it to uh, us we were he was talking about the last podcast and loudest show he's been to and strangest show and all this stuff and um <clears throat> best show his i think he said his best one was also the one that you went to with him greg the kiss show yeah <clears throat> um, yeah that i mean that's, that's unbeatable right pretty, Come on. i mean i feel like it's unbeatable if, and if anybody like i don't know i feel like if anybody went to that show it should be in their top you know uh shows of all time because it was kiss and in a really good era war i mean uh creatures of the night is an amazing album um but um but colin also mentioned this one time at obituary i think it was at st andrews hall and it was probably i don't know i don't know when it was 2012 or maybe earlier than that maybe 2004 and uh i was there was a group of us were you there greg Probably. I think you were there. I think there were a bunch of us there. And um, we were sort of close to the front, I think. And this dude who we didn't know, who was like just to my right, was like yelling. This was like maybe halfway through the show, maybe maybe six songs in. And he's yelling for something. I think it was maybe chopped in half. Yeah. And um, 
And he, he kept saying it between every song. He was saying it, I think, even while they were playing. You know, I kept hearing, <laughs> he's a maniac. Chopped <laughs> in half. And I'm sitting there shaking my head because I know something he doesn't. And, um, but I didn't know the guy. So I was like kind of reluctant to engage with him. But after he asked for that song, maybe, you know, for four songs in a row, I finally go, hey, dude, they played that song already. <laughs> and he goes, what? <laughs> yeah, he's in the beer line. Oh, uh, he man. was either in the beer line or maybe he didn't even really know that song. I don't know. Yeah. But, but he just knew the title. They maybe yeah, played it right in front of him and they, they, he didn't even know it. <laughs> right, right. So it was great. And like Colin heard it and just busted out laughing like the whole the whole crew. So Yeah, because Colin would have known too. He would have been like, yeah, dude, they played that already. Yeah. <laughs> was so, he was so bummed and so clueless that it's become like a, a, a nice little legendary memory. So thank you, Colin, for reminding me of that. That was a great little moment. And That's you have fantastic. What's funny about you two guys too, like with the obituary is like, not only do Steve and Aaron know like all the song titles, but like Steve can probably like play back all the drum parts, like <laughs> all the fills and everything, like just from memory. Right. So like, it's especially funny because you got some, you know, fair weather some fan. amateur, some amateurs. <laughs> yeah, <there. laughs> yeah. Some fair weather fan just standing next to Aaron and Aaron's just like, come on, man, you can't expect me to take this all night. Like, right. Right. That was the first song they played. Right. <laughs> man. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've listened, uh, especially from slowly rewrought up until world demise. I've listened to each one of those albums a thousand times. I swear to God. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, I know, you know, ridiculous. every drum yeah, yep. they're so good. It's some of the best heavy music that has ever, ever been composed and recorded. Straight up, Absolutely. that and death. That's right. Steve, you have another mailbag thing. That's right. Um, I have a I have a funny one actually for mailbag. Um, Mike Seibert out of Seattle, cool dude. He does a podcast of his own. You can look him up. Um, and uh, he's a fan of Voyager Three, so he's all right with us, man. But. Uh, he sent, he, he, he tweeted us um, these two different videos uh, uh, for New York Ninja. And Murphy's Law got the best of them, man, on both of these two. So let me, let me illustrate what happened uh, on this first one. Um, so ha is anybody out there uh, familiar with drawbridges, like in their area? When the drawbridge raises up, traffic's got to stop. It's, it's, it's considered a red light, basically, right? You got to stop because that boat's got to go through. Sometimes it can take five minutes, whatever. Um, so he was stopped at this drawbridge in his car, and he thought, hey, man, this will be a great time for me to show the New York Ninja cassette, the Shuriken Silver that I got from Voyager 3. So he kind of held the cassette up, and he was showing that he's about to put it into the cassette deck, and he's kind of showing off both sides of it. Typical video that you would see that it's just something you're excited about. You just got a new thing. It's awesome. But then the drawbridge went down. So my man had to go real quick or else he's going to get honked at. So he had to drop the cassette real quick and put it in drive and go. And then the, the phone fell over. And it's just like <laughs> kind of this awesome comedy moment that I love right. it. I was laughing. Um, and then so fast forward a couple of days more, he... Um, he got a, some other stuff from Vinegar Syndrome. I think he actually got the New York Ninja uh, Blu-ray. And he was doing like a proper um, unboxing video where he was going to talk about the Blu-ray. 
open it up and show you the booklet and all the cool stuff that's in the New York Ninja um, special edition uh, box and talk about our uh, cassette again. But somehow Murphy's Law hit, hit Mike again and the audio didn't work on this video. So he has this cool unboxing video, but there's no audio. And then strangely enough, he said it, he said it too in, in, in his tweet is that uh, he didn't write a script for it. He was just kind of going off the cuff. So just like New York Ninja, you can't go back and do that audio unless you know you make it up as you go, right? He was kind of like drawing a parallel. Um, so, so Mike, thanks, buddy. And also, third time's a charm. We're looking forward to seeing a proper unboxing video of New York Ninja Blu-ray and the cassette without the interruption of the drawbridge uh, going back into place or the mic messing up. So we look forward to it. And, and, and thanks for making those cool videos, man. <laughs> yeah. And Mike, if it makes you feel any better, you know, we're new to podcasting and I think we did half an episode without audio and we had to go back <laughs> and redo it. Redo yeah. it. That's right. And try to be as excited as the first time. <laughs> yeah. So it happens to the best of us, you know? Oh man. Yep. Totally. Okay. We have some Voyager three news to report to you. Um, the first piece that we're most excited about is that we're getting back to the stage live concert. Um, we are playing the after party at motor city nightmares on the Friday night, July 29th. So the convention goes the 29th, the 30th, and the 31st, and we'll have a table set up with all of our merch on the Friday and the Saturday. And the Friday night after the convention closes, there's an after party at a different spot in the hotel, which is the Sheraton Novi here in the Metro Detroit area. And we're going to play a full concert uh, with friends of ours, a band called the Amino Acids are going to also play that night. So it's going to be a really cool night of uh of music and hanging out and uh maybe you'll see some celebs i don't know you know it just depends hey the last time we played motor city nightmares i stood next to tom atkins that's right that's right while and, we were in the and D wallace party. was there for a few i remember seeing her too yeah very much fun so uh get your tickets to motor city nightmares at motorcitynightmares.com they have a whole bunch of the people from the original dawn of the dead that are going to be there um Ken Faree, Galen Ross, Scott Reiniger. Thank you. Yeah, and Tom Savini, by the way. Oh, yeah, so, they added Tom Savini. That's right. Yeah, this is going to be fantastic. I'm bringing all my Don of the Dead stuff to get signed for sure. I'm, I'm going to be that guy. Just don't even worry about Steve's it. He's going to get in line. That's right. I will be in line for sure. Um, we also have some new merch. We have a killer new t shirt. We call it Undead. Um, so it's, uh, it's at the Voyager 3 store right now in all the sizes. It's shipping worldwide. It's in stock. Uh, so you got to go to voyag3rstore.com and pick that up. And we'll also have a couple new uh, items hitting very shortly. So keep a lookout. Um, we have one more show to announce. We're going to be playing uh, Saturday, July 2nd in Lansing, Michigan at the Avenue Cafe, which is at uh, 2021 East Michigan Avenue in Lansing. It's going to be a great show. This is our first show since we did Fright Fest on Devil's Night of 2021 with Twisted. So come on out to Lansing and uh, see a fun night of music, Voyager 3 music, that is. Okay, so guess what I did over the weekend? What was that? 
I conquered a Cam Floyd challenge and I watched Brazil. I ordered the Blu-ray off of Amazon and I got it like a week ago. And on Saturday, I watched it, loved it. And I had not seen it. I, I mean, you know, you would know right away if you had seen a Terry Gilliam film before because it's usually outlandish. And yeah. uh, man, this was so good. It was really, yeah. really fantastic. Um, and uh, I was totally surprised to see Robert De Niro. I didn't, I didn't read anything about it. I didn't look at the box, nothing. So, so I was like, what? is this really him? That's <laughs> so nuts, man. It's, a, it's totally off the wall moment. Yeah. It, it almost like, I feel like in uh, Meet the Fockers, he kind of channeled that old role a little bit because uh, that's the only time you ever see him so goofy like right. that or so just you know off the wall. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just like one of, one of the favorite lines that's right in the beginning. He goes, and here's your receipt and here's your receipt for my receipt. <laughs> Do you remember that line, man? It's so yeah. crazy when they get the wrong guy because of that fly, you know, fell into the typewriter, I guess, and made Tuttle Buttle. That's <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> now here's a question. I don't know if we're going to worry about spoilers or not for, for the, another 40 something year old movie, but right now, did you watch the American ending or the, the UK ending? That's a or good the, question. The, I don't yeah. know because I literally just hit play on the Blu-ray and the Blu-ray. I it didn't say that. Like I said, I didn't read anything. I didn't, I didn't want to know anything. It, Probably the, the original UK and does it end bleak or does it end on like a happy note? Bleak. That's the European ending. Okay. Um, they, the studio was like, yo, we can't, <laughs> we can't do this. I don't know if it was just in the American studio. Yeah, you can't leave them in the chair, man. <laughs> they're like, dude, you have to brighten this up. You have to figure something out here to, to, you know, so people won't leave the theater depressed. So he added on this um, crazy fantasy ending and uh you know to to give him some sort of heroic finish you oh know? wait a minute well that was in there but i feel like it still did both in a way because it left it bleak but it still did that thing where it's in his mind you find out because he's yeah. still in the chair and, and and they did do the thing you know and it yeah. didn't get shot right you know right. what i'm saying but i think in the in the American version, they play it. If I remember right, they play it like that's not in his head. Right. And so they just didn't the, show that last little bit then. And then you yeah. would think, oh, okay, cool. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. That's very cool. Well, that, and, and that's barely, that's not like, that's not ruining his film because he had to do that because of the studio wanted him to. I feel like that's a better than sometimes outcome. You know what I mean? For having yeah. to settle. But for, yeah, maybe for us, but for Terry Gilliam, you know, it's like they, they, they stole his soul yeah, and yeah. ruined his life for 20 years, you know, but, right. you but know, that's, that's how he is. He's yeah. not a guy. That, that is so, true. So, so I need the bottom line. Is it better than time bandits? It's just so different. I, I mean, it's, there's, there's such a different film. Steve, that's not what I asked. <laughs> I would, um, I would not say it's better than Time Bandits. I love the movie. Right, good enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to take myself out of the fact that like that movie has like my nostalgia stuff going on with it. What if it, you know, you just put them head to head, just with data and data. No, it's hard to do that. Man. Yeah, I think Time Bandits is still better. It's more epic, I think. I don't know. It's hard to say, right, but there I'm, I'm going to go with Time Bandits. 
but what the, Brazil what's is the fantastic. Best, what's right now? What's the best Terry Gilliam movie? Your favorite Terry Gilliam movie, Steve? Oh man, um, I think Monty Python and the, and the Meaning of Life. <laughs> it's so, well, even though now I find out he only did one segment, so does but that count? He's still, in, he's still involved. It counts. Go okay, ahead. Greg. Okay. Time bandits. Come on. Time. Okay. How about you, Aaron? I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't sure yeah, if you were going to go like, with uh, you, the good you evil. You got so strict with us, and then he's going <laughs> to waver. <laughs> oh, monkeys. You got Fear and Lonely Las Vegas. If I had to choose, I think I'd probably say Fear and Lonely in Las Vegas. Yeah, that I mean it's uh, damn good. It is good. What's the uh what's the medieval one, you know, with the flesh wound? How come I can't remember the name of that one? Uh the the Holy Grail. But I yeah. don't know if I directed that. I think that was Terry Jones. Oh, okay. But you know, they're all in it together. So Terry Gilliam is in that movie. Right. See, we're learning but, some things here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. I, I, I get them mixed up in general. Like I thought that Terry Gilliam did all the Monty Python stuff, and then I realized it was Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam kind of working together. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. So Cam Floyd challenge met, and I loved it. <laughs> Our last topic of tonight is uh, one that Aaron brought up to us. Uh, the hardest one On some texting. Time. Aaron said, man, we got to come up with uh, some favorite albums that aren't from the 80s or 90s or 70s or whatever. So he said, <laughs> he suggested that we uh, come up with a modern um, album that we like a lot. So uh, I thought to myself, well, modern, how about five years? You know, something in the That's- last five years. Is, 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 is that fair enough? That counts as that counts as modern. Okay, cool, cool. So that's uh, my challenge to you guys. When I uh, sent this to you guys a handful of days ago, what is your favorite album from the last five years? So uh, you know, basically, for, to Aaron's motivation, a new album, <laughs> not not yeah. not a classic album. Yeah. Um, Greg, what you got? Uh, all right, you know my honorable mention that just missed the five year mark not by much was a turbo kid soundtrack, which I think is great. Anyways, I digress. So I'm going to use this opportunity to talk about a genre, um, that I like, and you guys know that, you know, I'll, you guys remember when we were young and living together in Hamtramck, like I've always been into like fringe electronic music. So you guys know, I like scorn and yeah, you know, like, um, a lot of that ambient stuff, like I had that isolationism CD and I got really into ambient. Right. So, yeah, you know, and of course that led to Brian Eno and all of his ambient stuff and, you know, ambient as a genre is something I like. Right. So, um, when Aaron was like kind of pressing us for like, come up with something in the last five years or at least, well, I think you added the five year thing. Aaron wanted something modern. Right. So, um, I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about an ambient album that came out by probably the most unlikely band to do an ambient record. Um, so there's this band called Blood Incantation. Have you heard this name before? I've heard the yeah. name. Makes me yeah. think so, of death metal, though, not ambient. Okay, so here's the thing. 
they when they came out they were a death metal band right ah. <laughs> well hold on so they are a death metal band I, I think i should say that so um but what's interesting about them is when they formed that band they had a three they had like a three album concept in mind so like the first album was going to be straight up death metal the second one was going to be a bit more psychedelic and then the third one was just going to be straight ambient so they've put out three records. Um, they've had, they had some EPs before that, but so there's star spawn and then there's history of the human race, which is the second one. And then the one that came out in 2022 is called time wave zero. And it is just a straight ambient record. So oh, wow. what I like, what I like about this is that here's a band that is, you know, firmly rooted in death metal. And they just straight up put out a re- an ambient record. <laughs> yeah, seems like almost it, unheard of. And it's really good. And uh, you know, so you know, I was struggling with Aaron's challenge to come up with something you know modern that sort of pertained to my interests. So I kind of wanted to use this opportunity to kind of link back to like how how interested I am in ambient music as a genre, and then the fact that this band Blood Incantation, who is known for doing death metal just dropped an ambient record and you know going back and I, and here i'm going to bring it all full circle back to the vangelis thing here's a band that literally just is going to do whatever they want you know yeah you know record record label be damned or you know at their level it's certainly not at the vangelis you know level but still they chose to sort of you know complete the mission that they started you know like right they came up with, you know, that we're going to be a death metal band, but the second record's going to be psychedelic, and then the third one's just going to be straight ambient, and they delivered. Wow. And uh, it's a really cool record. I think it's really good, and that's my pick. Dig it, it's, man. I'm going to have to check that out, because just that uh, that dynamicness, you know, that, that range uh, is super interesting. I want to hear that journey, and now the, yeah, that's the third one, yeah. so I can hear it now, all of it. <laughs> yeah, talk about a band not not you know sort of giving a fuck right Right. totally man <laughs> totally wow sorry this is pg-13 or r i can't remember we can say what we want to say that's right okay that's right. all right i'm gonna say it then <laughs> you go next like greg <clears throat> I, I i uh i don't listen to that much new stuff um it's not that i don't want to but it just ends up being lower on my totem pole i guess for uh for lack of a better term but i found one that is within the five-year cutoff, and it's from an artist that I've already liked for years. So uh, uh, my pick is Prong Zero Days, which came out in 2017. So it just hits that five-year mark, by the way. Zero Days is pretty good. I mean, I've, I've like we've all been Prong fans since like basically the beginning. Um, as a matter of fact, we got to open for Prong. Uh, our old band Forge got to open for Prong at St. Andrews Hall on the Rude Awakening tour. Uh, it was a hot ass summer night, and we and we played that show, and it was wonderful, sold out, absolutely fantastic. Never forget it. Um, but yeah, prong rules for sure. Um, so zero days is a good album. Um, some standout tracks to me um, is the first track. However, it may end. Uh, Divide and conquer is a great track. It's kind of like the single. It's a little more catchy, um, but it's a great song regardless. Um, uh, blood out of stone is really good that one kind of opens up a little bit more and it's not trying to hit you over the head the whole time um there's more space in it 
and uh, some textures going on that I really enjoyed. Um, but then a kind of, to me, like a, 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 a unsung track or a, or a sleeper track, because it's toward the end, um, it's called uh, The Whispers. Super cool track. Uh, yeah. So check out that record. It's really good. And, you know, Prong has been going. I mean, you know, uh, if people aren't familiar with Prong's history, is that they, they did uh, a handful of records in the late 80s, all the way uh, into the later 90s or so, mid, mid 90s. Then they broke up. But in the early 2000s, Tommy Victor, the main guy from Prong and the singer, um, put the band back together. And kind of since then, they've been going strong. They put a record out every couple years um, and they tour all the time. They just never stop. He's a machine. That band is a machine. So I, I recommend kind of any Prong is good. The classics are great. But this latest one, this latest full-length record from 2017, Zero Days, is really good. And it's got really killer artwork um, by uh, Sebastian Rowdy. He's a, a German uh, graphic designer. Really cool cover. It's got this like spiky skull on it. looks really kind of alien. It's got three eyes. It's great. <laughs> it's not, it's not head, Steve? No, not this time. Not this time. Not like Beg to Differ was, for sure. The iconic art, no doubt. That is a great album. Yeah. What what you got, Aaron? My pick is uh, I and I thought about this, but when I when when you first said, "Okay, let's pick an album from the last 5 years." The first band that came to my head, I was like, "Well, let me let me see if there's other stuff that might, you know, outrule it." And uh and I thought about it for a few days and I kept coming back to the same one, so I knew it wasn't coincidence. It's Idols. Hmm. Ultramano it's um have you played any of that for us before i can't remember i don't he brought, i think no. he mentioned it before but sometimes <laughs> on the way to shows you know we'll uh we'll hear, we'll hear some new stuff sometimes yeah it's for me it's like the band is amazing all their albums are amazing and then there's a whole other level to it where like this album came out in september of 20 and i think i i'm pretty sure i discovered them in summer of 20 um right during covid and like youtube was it suggested them because of other stuff i've watched yeah and so the the song it played or the song i played from them was from their previous album which was from like maybe 18 um and i was like oh my god what is this band this is amazing it's like they call it post-punk i mean it's basically it's just punk pretty much like the lyrics are social, political, you know, protest rock, um, righteous messages that, you know, that appeal to me growing up on Dead Kennedys and stuff like that. Uh, they're British. And when I first heard them, I didn't know they were British, right? So the first mm. song I heard is a song called Colossus. Um, and I thought, like, this sounds like Ann Arbor in the early 90s to me, like at the lab. Yeah. Or, or someplace like that the nectarine ballroom like i love know, that kind of music and era that, like yeah that's that, where like no that, means no would have played for example yeah, stuff like that kind of a bit of noise factor in it and uh just this like intangible sort of i maybe it's maybe that's what post-punk is i don't know i always kind of shy away from that post this and post that but people use that all the time and maybe there's a reason they do but so these guys jumped out at me and i was like this is just 
amazing. And then the album came out that, or the, this album came out and I, I, I instantly got it. And, um, it represented for me, um, it still represents this sort of COVID era, yeah. uh, the pandemic era where I discovered so many bands over the last couple of years, all the, I've been like reading and studying and driving and all this, listening to all this music and discovering a ton of new music. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not as shy about new music as you guys. I just, I'm always looking for it, whether it's metal or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I'm always looking for new, new music and, and uh, you know, really on the lookout for it. And so this band discovering them right during COVID all I could think of is like, oh my God, when this is over, I'm going to have to see these guys. They're going to have to come to town. Yeah. And they tried to schedule American tours like every few months. They just kept trying and it kept yeah. getting canceled. And because um, this album has done really well for them, they've been kind of blowing up over the last few years. So they were trying to get to America and they couldn't and it kept getting canceled. Finally, they came in, um, I think it was October of of last year and they're super highly respected by by musicians and stuff like you know musicians making top tens for rolling stone magazine or whatever that everybody's putting them in it you know mm. so all their stuff's great so i highly recommend idols um if you ever you know I'm writing it down in, right now <laughs> yeah if you're <laughs> punk rock and so it's it's such a thrill to see these bands and then and, and then like there have been some other bands that i got into over the pandemic that some of them have been coming to town too like war on women and other bands like that and and it's just been it means more it just means more because we we've all been to shows tons of shows all through our you know life and we love it we already loved it but when that shit gets taken away right. and you don't know when you're going to get it back it means more yeah. So I've been, you know, I've been going to shows like crazy lately. Um, and, uh, so idols, I put all this weight on them. It's all not, right. it's, yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's, idols help get you through, man. So, Hey, that's all good. That's exactly that's all good. It. Get me through and music is always there for that stuff. So, Oh yeah, man. Sure. Dig it, man. Well, look, look at, uh, hopefully everybody out there learned about, uh, three new albums, uh, at least. So, we want to hear what your guys' favorite records are from the last five years. So in the comments, leave what you think, because uh, we, now we'll get to learn even more and keep uh, whipping up this new music bubble here, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and to Aaron's point, you know, even more reason to come see us in Lansing and then Motor City Nightmares. That's right. Yeah, because yeah, uh, we haven't been out in a long time, like most, like all other bands haven't been really. Right. So a lot of these bands are now finally just starting to creep out, uh, us included. So yeah, come on out and say hi and hang out. Um, all right, fellas, I think that's all we got for this episode of V3Cast. So we want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in. Uh, thanks for the comments. Thanks for sharing uh, our podcast on social media. Uh, come on out to the shows, drop by the Voyager 3 store, uh, say hi, and uh, until next time, this has been V3Cast.